welcome to another episode of Pilates Elephants. Today is a solo episode, and I want to talk about limiting beliefs. Now, I've been thinking a lot about business recently, and particularly Pilates business, and this is something that's been very, very much on my mind. I've been building out this Pilates Launchpad program that we're delivering. We've got um, just under 100 people enrolled in the program. And um, I'm thinking about the pathway and talking with those people. And anyway, these are the things that have come up. I'm probably going to do, I would say, uh, a couple of episodes, maybe even three. Uh, There are too many of these limiting beliefs for one episode. So I've divided them up into three categories. Uh, And the first category, what I want to talk with you about today are limiting beliefs around action. So essentially, how to stop procrastinating. Now, I want to frame this as this is what has worked for me. So I don't profess to be a psychologist or any kind of life coach, Um, these are the these are the obstacles that I've observed in myself, the internal obstacles that I've observed in myself, and uh, which I have overcome. And these are the obstacles that I observe very frequently in um, Pilates instructors who I coach in business. And what I'm going to do is share with you the strategies that I've used to overcome these things. And when I say strategies, I mean essentially just mindset. Mindsets, yeah, ways of thinking. All right, so the first premise here is, so we're going to talk about how to stop procrastinating, how to beat procrastination. And in particular, how to beat procrastination about building your Pilates business. Now, whether you own a studio or want to open a studio, whether you have a solo Pilates business or want to start a solo Pilates business, or whether you just want to build your career or build your skills to to build your Pilates career. Uh, either way, there's work involved and thus you know, procrastination <laughs> rears its ugly head. Uh, and so I want to talk to you about the, the things that have that I've faced, uh, procrastin- that have been you know, obstacles that I've faced around procrastination and how I've overcome those. So your ability to learn skills or to apply those skills in Pilates business will be limited by your mindset. Uh, what I mean by that is that if you don't believe you can succeed, then you're much less likely to try. If you believe that you need to be perfect before you start, you're much less likely to start. If you believe that you need to have 100% of the information before you make a decision, you're essentially never going to make a decision. So your beliefs very much determine the extent to which you're able to develop or apply skills. So beliefs, I believe, come before skills in that if you don't have the belief, like I just said, it's much harder to develop the skill in many cases. So I'm going to talk about beliefs around action 
and how they have helped me overcome procrastination and how I have observed other people with successful businesses also have these beliefs around action and that I have helped use these same beliefs to help people I coach overcome procrastination. And this is all, again, within the context of building your Pilates business, whether that's a studio or solo business, whether that's or even your Pilates career if you work for somebody else, building your skills, building your income, uh, etc. So the first one I want to talk to you about is bias to action. Now, what do I mean by that? In when there's a choice, what I mean is when there's a choice between thinking about it and doing it, you should do it. Every decision, you know, by definition, is probabilistic. What I mean by that is if you have 100% of the information required to make a decision. So basically, just say you're trying to make a decision about, you know, should I start this business? Should I put my prices up? Should I do this training program? Should I fire this client? Should I become, you know, do a partnership with this person, right? Whatever decision you're trying to make. Now, if you knew the result in advance, right? So just say, you know, you were able to time travel into the future and you think, okay, should I go into a partnership with this person? Okay, you time travel into the future and you see, oh, they are a terrible thief and they rip you off, right? Well, all of a sudden, there's no decision to make because you know the outcome. So you're not making a decision. <laughs> you're now just, you know, going with prior knowledge, a decision by definition is when you don't when you have incomplete information so by definition anytime you make a decision you don't know what the outcome's going to be and so to some extent it is a guess or another you know high class word probabilistic okay but you know, let's just say it's a guess okay <laughs> that's the plain language version so the question is, well, how much, given that we, given that you can't have 100% of the information, right? So just say you wanted to know, you know, should I start this particular business? Right? Should I start a studio in this location? Or should I buy this business that's for sale? Okay. Well, the only circumstance under which you can know 100% certainly if that's the right decision is if you buy the business and run it for five years and, and then see what the outcome is. So, you know, by definition, you can't know that in advance, right? So all you can do is assign some kind of probability. Now, the, so the question then becomes, well, what level of certainty should you reach before you make a decision? You know, should you, do, should you have 90% of the information before you make a decision? Should you be... 80% confident that you're correct before you make a decision? Should you be 70%, 60%, 50%? You know, what degree of confidence should you set as the bar for making a decision? And so the bias to action says that when there's a choice between thinking about it or doing it, do it. Make a decision when you have I reckon, 60% of the information. Then act and get feedback. When you act, you know, when you do something in the world, 
you will get feedback. Now, feedback might not come in the form of somebody giving you written feedback. It might come in the form of, oh, I spent money on this advertising campaign and I didn't get any clients. Okay, that my feedback was <laughs> that that advertising campaign didn't produce any clients. Or maybe your feedback comes in the form of, you know, you start to negotiate with that potential business partner and you find that they're very confusing in the way that they communicate. Okay, that's your feedback. So when you act, you get feedback and the feedback gives you more information. Right? Should I do this marketing campaign? Yes or no? Well, I'm 60% confident I should do it. So let's give it a go. Ah, okay. It didn't produce any, any customers. All right. Well, now I've got more information, right? So now I can make a better decision about whether I continue this marketing campaign. Should I go into partnership with this person? Oh, I'm 60% confident I should do it. So let's start the negotiation. Great. We start the negotiation. Oh, they're super confusing and they don't show up for the meetings. Ah, well, now I've got more information. So when you act, you can, you, you make a decision with the understanding that that decision is not a forever decision. It's a, it's a for now decision. It's a, it's, it's a, it's an interim decision until you have more information. And as soon as you have more information, you can change the decision. You can make a better decision. And so that is something that I've learned uh, actually from a book called The CEO Genome, uh, which is a great book um, that basically that is a study of several thousand CEOs of, of companies. And they looked at you know, the behaviors of these CEOs uh, versus the performance of the companies over time. What they found was CEOs of, of high-performance companies didn't make better decisions than the CEOs of low-performing companies, but what they did was make much faster decisions. So making faster decisions actually leads you to making better decisions because you make a fast decision, you get some feedback, you go, oh, that decision wasn't quite right, so let me change that decision, and now it's a better decision. So making faster decisions leads to making better decisions. Now, when you make a fast decision and act, you know, I don't suggest you make a fast decision and act if you're if you're trying to decide, you know, should I jump off this cliff? Okay, so if there's something that's like an irrevocable <laughs> choice that you can't go back from, right, that's not what I'm talking about here. What I'm talking about here is are things that you can do by degree. You know, should I do this advertising campaign? Okay, well, why don't we do a little bit of the advertising campaign? Should I become partners with this person? Well, let's start the negotiation, okay? Should I buy this business? Well, let's look at the financials, okay? What is the, you know, take the first step. Just get moving and then you will discover more information. You can make a better decision if that wasn't quite right. So, Bias to action, action builds momentum, and action builds better decisions because you get feedback. So if you're not sure if you're overthinking it, you're almost certainly overthinking it. I recommend that you should set the bar at about 60% and make a decision when you're 60% confident or where you feel you've got 60% of the information you need to make a good decision. That's when you should act. And when you act, you'll get more information. All right, so that is bias to action. Next one I want to talk about is um, just the good old general purpose procrastination mindset of I don't have time. <laughs> and I laugh because we all use this. I use this. You use this. 
Your mum uses this. Everyone uses this. Your clients use this. My clients use this. Everyone uses this. I don't have time. But the, <laughs> the irony is we all have the same amount of time, of course, <laughs> in terms of how many hours we have in a day. We don't have the same amount of time on earth, uh, but we all have the same number of hours in a day. So here's how I've, I've essentially eliminated uh, this as a problem for myself in my business. Now, I don't pretend that I've mastered time or that I get everything done. Uh, that's certainly not the truth. Uh, but I feel like I have eliminated I don't have time as a obstacle for me to build my business. I, that's not a thing that isn't a blocker for me in building my business. Uh, but it used to be. Uh, so here's, here's, here are my thoughts on I don't have time. I like to really use a, you know, so I don't have time. Like, I think, all right, the first thing is we have to agree that it's not true, right? Because if everybody has 24 hours in a day and some people are building a business, <laughs> well, they don't have any more time than you. So, yeah, how is it that you, quote, don't have time? Now, you might think, oh, well, I don't, I've got two kids and I'm a single mum and I'm working three jobs. It's like, okay, I guarantee you I can find you a single mum with three kids and two jobs who's also building a business or doing whatever it is that you, you know, think you don't have time to do. Now, when I say you, I'm looking at myself here as well, but it is, uh, it is a certainty on a planet of 8 billion people that there is somebody who has the exact identical life situation to you in terms of how many kids, how many spouses, how many jobs, all the rest of it, who is also doing what you think you don't have time to do. So it's just um, empirically not true that you don't have time. Now, I don't doubt for a second that you're busy Okay, I don't doubt for a second that you work long hours and perhaps you don't get enough sleep and you don't have enough time to you know, give yourself the exercise or the self-care that you need. I don't doubt that any of those things are true. But everything is about, every, all, of the, all of the things that we spend our time doing are a result of the decisions that we make. Decisions that we make about whether to have kids, decisions we make about whether to you know, get married, about whether to... You know, take a certain job, whether to study a certain program, whether to jump on social media for five minutes that becomes two hours, <laughs> whether to resubscribe to Netflix, uh, you know, whether to, um, you know, do our own housework or, you know, get a robot vacuum cleaner. You know, there are, there are decisions that determine, that determine how we spend our time. Like our, our decisions and our beliefs around what constitutes good parenting, right? And I certainly don't want to get into that conversation here. But, you know, if you have a belief that, you know, good parenting involves you doing a lot of work for your kids, preparing meals, tidying up after them, etc., well, that takes a lot more time than someone who has a belief that good parenting involves teaching kids to be more self-sufficient, right? And I'm not voting either way here. But I am, I guess I'm, I'm keen to point out that we each make decisions about how we spend our time. 
Okay, and a lot of time those decisions are a result of our values or our beliefs, but sometimes they're a result of just assumptions that we've never really thought about. Okay, and if we did a time audit on how you spend your day, your week, okay, I mean, you could just look on your phone and look and see how much screen time did you spend this week? You know, was it more than five hours? I'd be pretty shocked if it wasn't. And, you know, could you take that five hours and spend one hour a day, Monday to Friday, working on building a business or studying a new course to increase your skills or, you know, developing uh, a relationship with somebody to become a business partner or, you know, cultivating... You know, more skills in your in your own business, like mar- you know, learning how to do marketing better or advertising better or customer service better. So, you know, I'd I'd be I'd be very confident you could find five hours per week if it was crucial. Now let let me reframe the let me reframe the, the context for you. Let's do a little thought experiment. If you're a parent, just imagine you were told that your child has a some kind of serious illness. Okay, that requires a great degree of medical intervention. Or if you're not a parent, imagine you had a beloved pet or a beloved spouse or a beloved sibling or a parent who had some kind of medic, suddenly was, you know, given some kind of medical diagnosis that would, that meant they would require your help. You know, they'll need you to drive them to medical appointments. They'll need you to supervise them taking their medication, to cook meals for them, to, you know, help them to shower or, you know, whatever it is, right? Could you find five hours a week to do that? Of course you could. Of course you could. (laughs) Okay. So you do have time. It's simply a matter of how you've chosen to prioritize your time. Now, this is not a criticism. I'm not judging. I honestly don't care how you spend your time. I think you're a wonderful person, whatever you do or don't do. But if the belief that you don't have time is something that's been holding you back, know that it doesn't have to be and it's not true. Here's a life hack that, here's the hack that I've used to to work through this. So the first hack is understanding that it's not true. Okay, if you believe it's true, well, then it is true. Once you understand that it's not true because there is somebody somewhere in the world with more kids than you and more jobs than you <laughs> and, you know, a messier house than you or whatever, who is already doing what you think you don't have time to do, right? There is that person. All right, so once we agree that it's not true, Okay, although it sure feels true sometimes, then I think the the hack that has really, really helped me is something I learned. Uh, I think I think a lot of us probably do this intuitively, uh, and I kind of do it intuitively, intu- like instinctively, but I also learned it in a movie. I think it's called, I, I'm going to say like Facing the Abyss or something. It was about a mountaineer who um, broke his leg, fell down an ice crevasse, broke his leg, uh, had to crawl like uh, this was like more than a decade ago. I watched this movie, so I'm recalling it rather badly. But had to crawl like you know 
15 miles down the side of this mountain with a broken femur, thigh bone, right? Was left for dead. His companions thought he was dead. You know, no help was coming, right? So imagine dragging yourself by your arms across this boulder-strewn mountain with a broken leg with the bone sticking out, right? Imagine how... (laughs) arduous and hard that would be and knowing that base camp is like 15 miles down the mountain right so what he did was he focused on a rock a hundred yards ahead and he's and he said to himself i'm just going to get to that rock then i'll re- then i'll stop okay then i'll sleep then i'll rest and he got to the rock and then he kept going he said i'll just go to the next rock and then I'll rest. And it's amazing to me that the human mind works in such a way that it was him tricking himself. So he knew the him who was being tricked was the same him that was doing the tricking. So he knew that he wasn't going to just stop at that rock. He was going to go beyond. He had to get down to the base camp. But still, it worked psychologically when he said to himself hey i'm just going to stop at this next rock and then i'll then i'll rest okay and so i i use that every time i run now i think i'll just run you know one more kilometer or 500 more meters and then of course when i get to that point i think i'll just do another 500 and then i think i'll just do another 500 and i do it every day and i end up running like five six seven (laughs) kilometers and so it's it's not a surprise it's not a secret it's not but it is kind of a hack uh and and i have also found that in the realm of time you know procrastination i don't have enough time saying i'm going to spend five hours a week sounds like a lot but sitting down and saying okay i'm going to do 30 minutes every day on my business or on my study or on, you know, whatever it might be. And when when I sit down for that 30 minutes and I turn off all of my device, you know, all of my things that go ping, okay, all of my notifications, close my emails, close Slack, close messages, put the phone on do not disturb, and I just get into doing some deep work. What almost always happens is at the 30-minute mark, I'm in flow. Right? I've got deeply involved in what I'm doing. I'm fascinated by the work and I don't want to stop. Right, And that's what will happen for you too. I can just about guarantee it. I bet you that's what happens. Okay, If you use this trick, I'd love to know how it works for you. Please DM me on Instagram. My details, how you can contact me in the show notes there. Just trick yourself and say, hey, I'm just going to do 30 minutes, right? Turn off all your notifications, turn off all the things, get into it and see what happens. Now, it doesn't work every single time. Sometimes it's a grind and you're just not in the frame of mind and 30 minutes later, you're like, oh, thank goodness I can stop (laughs) and you go off and do the rest of your day. But for me, almost every time I get to 30 minutes, I don't even know, I breeze through because I'm completely absorbed in the task. I don't notice 30 minutes is up. I don't notice one hour is up. I look up and it's like two o'clock in the afternoon and I've been going for four hours. And I reckon that's what's going to happen for you too. So I think the big, the two big things to overcome procrastination uh, or if I don't have time are one, 
understand that you do have time and it's just not true that you don't have time because there are people who have the exact same situation as, as you who are doing the thing that you think you don't have time to do. And the second thing is the I'll just I'll just make it to the next rock. That's a mind just essentially it's a mind trick that you play you can play on yourself. I'll just do 30 minutes, okay? But turn off your distractions so you genuinely can get into deep work. When I say deep work, I mean deep focused work where you're not distracted. Once you get into that flow state, time, you know, part of the one of the characteristics of being in flow is time ceases, you cease to be aware of time passing. And so you just breeze past the 30 minutes and keep going most of the time. All right. Next one I want to, next belief I want to talk about is I can't afford it. So, you know, I want to start a business, but I can't afford it. I want to, you know, increase my marketing for my existing business, but I can't afford it. I want to hire this new person, but I can't afford it. I want to get this mentor, but I can't afford it. I want to do this training to increase my skills, but I can't afford it, um, etc. <laughs> um, now, this is not like I don't have time because sometimes people genuinely can't afford things, right? So if you... If it's literally a choice between you starting this business versus your kids eating, right? Well, I want your kids to eat. <laughs> Don't do it. <laughs> Don't start a business now. Um, so, you know, so there is, uh, there can be a reality to I can't afford it. However, a lot of the time it's not a reality, right? And so only you know the truth of this. But building a business, okay, or building your skills so you can make more money, okay, is a money-making project, right? Businesses are for the purpose, you know, or one of the purposes of a business is to make money, right? So if you don't have the money, like if you literally don't have the money to, to start a business, like as in, you know, you don't have access to cash or credit or someone who you could borrow money from, you know, and the only way for you to start this business or build your business or build your skills would be for you to just not pay for your kids' school fees or not pay, you know, not pay for your healthcare plan or sell your car, right? Well, those are probably, that's probably mean like you genuinely can't afford it, <laughs> okay? But if it was a choice between like, oh, well, if we just didn't go on a holiday this year, or if we went on a camping holiday instead of like flying somewhere, then I could afford it. Or if, you know, uh, I didn't buy, you know, if we halved our clothing budget, I could afford it. Or if we, you know, sold our $50,000 car and bought a $5,000 car, I could afford it. Okay. Well, in that case, it's not true. And it's simply about your priorities. Now, I'm not here to judge your priorities, right? If you prefer a $50,000 car and no business versus a $5,000 car and a business, more power to you. But if you're driving a $50,000 car, it's not true that you can't afford to start a business. Okay, It's simply a matter that you've prioritized spending on the car over spending on your business. Now, I run a $300 US thousand dollar a month business and we drive a $4,000 car. Actually, if we're talking US dollars, our car is probably two, two and a half thousand dollar car. Uh, it's a 20 year old Subaru, bottom of the range, <laughs> non-turbo, non-everything 
Okay, it's got air conditioning because that's a that's a deal breaker for me, and it's got cruise control because that's a deal breaker for me. But it's a totally daggy bottom of the range, twenty year old Subaru with steel wheels, and nothing nothing you know special about it. It's reliable. We get it. We get it serviced all you know very regularly. But you know, there's no. I choose, I choose not to drive an expensive car because I'd rather spend my money on other things. Now, I, again, I don't judge you. you. If you drive around a $50,000, $100,000 car, I don't judge you, right? I've I've wasted money on lots of things. I've got a $50,000 gym set up in my basement. <laughs> so, you know, I certainly don't judge you. But it's if you're driving a car that's worth more than, say, Three thousand US dollars. I think when you spend much less than three thousand US dollars, you get a shit car that's not reliable, and it won't get you places. Okay, so it'll let you down. But once you've spent three thousand, two and a half, three thousand dollars on a car, okay, a fifty thousand, hundred thousand, three hundred thousand dollar car is not functionally better than a two and a half thousand dollar car in terms of it's not going to more reliably get you to work. Okay, it's not going to more reliably get your kids to soccer practice. Okay, sure, it's got more prestige. It might have better gizmos on it and a reversing camera and all of those things. Okay, but it's not going to perform the function of transporting you from A to B any better than a two and a half thousand dollar car. So every dollar you spend, more than say two and a half thousand dollars on your car, is really just an, an arbitrary decision, right? It's a priorities decision. So. Yeah, and I'm sure there are other things in your life that you could also look on in this same light and think, okay, why is this priority important to me? And, you know, could I swap out some of the investment that I've got invested financially in this area and put it towards starting a business or building my skills? Uh, I personally believe that building your skills is the most valuable investment you can make because skills, uh, and when we talk about skills, I mean skills, you know, marketable skills. That is what makes you more money, right? So I'm, as we speak, in a mastermind that costs 60000 US dollars a year. I'm in another coaching program that costs 50000 US dollars at the same time. And I'm in another coaching program that costs two and a half thousand US dollars per month. Uh, all of that, I'm in all of those programs for the purpose of improving my skills. And I feel I'm getting incredible return on the money that I'm spending in those programs. Now, you know, that money that I spend on those programs, it hurt a bit, right? Like, 60,000 US dollars to me is not like I wouldn't notice it if it fell out of my bank account. Like that that was like, oh, that was painful <laughs> to pay that. But I view that as the cost of leveling up to the next level personally, you know, in my skills and mindset so that I can level my business up to the next level once I am personally at the next level. So I can't afford it. I think, you know, there is a, there is a situation in which that is true. Okay, if it's genuinely a choice between your kid's school fees, your ability to put food on the table or your healthcare plan versus starting a business, you genuinely can't afford it and you should not start a business. You should not go study. You should not focus on that. You just need to build your income more, um, maybe taking a second, third or fourth job 
um, etc., would be you know the best choice. But if you if if you're not if you're above that level, right? If there is if there you have some asset, some access to cash, credit, or you could sell an asset uh, like a car. Um, then it's not a case of you can't afford it. It's a case of you're choosing to not prioritise it. Uh, and I think that is a, I, you know, personally, I think if it's important to you to increase your income and to build this business, well, thinking that you can't afford it, I think is the wrong mindset, right? So I don't think you're bad or it's the wrong decision to have a, an expensive car or an expensive house or an expensive country club or go out for dinner five nights a week. I, I don't judge any of those choices. But if you want to build a successful business and make money teaching Pilates and you feel that you can't do that because you don't, can't afford it and you're driving around a $50,000 car, I think that's a mistake. Or if you're going out for dinner four nights a week or if you spend a lot of money on, you know, how much money have you spent on activewear in the last 12 months? I think that's a mistake, right? Because building a business is an investment. Building your skills is an investment. When I say investment, what I mean is you will get a return, right? You will put money in, you get money back. When you have more skills, you make more money. When you build a business, you make more money. So saying I can't afford to start a business is like saying I can't afford to make more money, which to me is nonsensical. It doesn't make, you know, it's just like... If you're in a $50,000 car, you can afford to start a business. If you've got you know, credit on your credit card, you can afford to start a business. If you've got enough credit score to get a personal unsecured loan or a second refinance against your house, you can afford to start a business. All right. Those are my thoughts on starting a business vis-a-vis uh, -vis I can't afford it. Now, sorry when I say starting a business, those are my thoughts on procrastination around building your business or starting your business or getting more training vis-a-vis -vis, I can't afford it. Uh, next thing I want to talk about is uh, why you should do it now. So this is kind of like the opposite <laughs> of procrastination, um, which is, you know, and I observe this keenly in my uh, currently 16-year-old daughter, Bintu. Uh, she still currently lives in the eternal now. And so uh, manana is always the best time to do anything that is not, like, pleasurable in the moment. <laughs> um, now, but the thing is, now here's like a kind of a banal yet profound concept that I actually learned from Eckhart Tolle. There is only the eternal now because tomorrow it will be now. And in five years, it will be now. So when you start that business or do that training course or start that marketing campaign or whatever, tomorrow, okay, you will be starting it now. Or when you do it in five years, you'll be starting it now. Okay? So any time you do a thing, you can only do it now. Now, that 
is a completely self-evident, obvious, banal <laughs> statement. And at the same time, it's I feel it's deeply profound, which really is a tautology, which is when you say the same thing repeatedly over and over again, because profound means deep, and I said deeply profound. So let's just say it's profound <laughs> or deeply meaningful. Because it is actually true, right? So we like to put things off to the future because in the future, there is no future, right? <laughs> future us doesn't exist. It's, an, it's our imagination. And when the future arrives, when tomorrow or next week or next year or five years from now arrives, it will be us, it will be you there in the now, right? And it will be time to do that thing now, okay? And in five years, now will not be any easier than it is today. Like if you look back at the last five years of your life, has there been a prolonged period where you were not busy, where you had lots of time, when the kids weren't distracting you, <laughs> when work wasn't crazy, <laughs> okay? <laughs> You know, like there's there's no such time. There is no this mythical time when I'll be less busy doesn't exist. This mythical time when oh, I'll just wait till the kids are in school. Okay, but in the, once the kids are in school, guess what? Then you've got uh, school term activities like soccer and swimming practice, practice and dance lessons to drive them to. And then you've got school holidays and you've got to look after them all school holidays and take them to activities. And then you've got to help them with their homework and you've got to make them their lunches and drive them to school and get them out the door on time. So there isn't, and then you think, oh, I'll just wait till the kids have finished school. But then when they finish school, the next thing happens. Okay, it'll be Christmas and then it'll be Easter <laughs> and Holy Week and it'll be someone's birthday and then it'll be like, it'll be, there will never be a right time, right? Look back in the last five years, when was it the right time? It never was. And if you look forward in five years, it will never be the right time either. It will only be now. And whenever you do it, you'll be doing it now. So... That's kind of the first part, is that you'll be doing it now whenever you do it. So putting it off is just an illusion because actually you will have to do it now at some point. So what I, what I always say to my daughter is, when would now be a good time to do that? And of course, it's kind of a joke, but it's also kind of not a joke. The second thing is to give yourself permission to get started. Understand that building a business requires messy action, okay? Building skills requires you to go through the phase of sucking at that skill, right? Building, a, building something great requires messy action. You have to start when you're not ready, by definition. You have to start when you're not ready. Once you start, you will be ready. If you do it in five years, you'll still be doing it now in five years, but you'll be five years older and you will have missed out on five years of income, five years of learning and five years of personal development. Don't be 
your future self regretting not doing it in five, you know, for five years ago. Be your future self going, gee, I'm glad I started this five years ago. Okay, they say the best time to plant a, to plant a tree was 20 years ago. The second best time is right now. So I think uh, that those are my thoughts on why you should do it now is because that's the only time you can do it. Right, the last one I want to talk to you about today is essentially essentially it's kind of a self-doubt thing or it's a I don't know if it's a self-doubt thing. I think it's a limiting belief around your your ability. Now, I've been there. This doesn't make you a bad person. This makes you just completely human. But what I've observed around this belief, um, statements like, you know, I'd love to start a business slash charge more slash open a studio slash, you know, whatever, okay, but I can't because dot, 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 okay? Now, the dot, what comes after the dot, dot, dot might be because I'm just newly qualified, okay? Or because people in my area can't afford to pay more for Pilates or because I only teach mat work or because I'm not fully certified or because I'm too old or I'm too young or I'm too not flexible enough or I, I don't I don't understand anatomy well enough or like insert whatever your reason very good reason for telling yourself you can't do it is and I laugh here dear listener not because I'm making fun of you I'm making fun of I guess I'm making fun of you and me you know, we both, we all, as humans, we all do this, right? So this is just a human thing that we all do. And I'm certainly not immune to it. And all of these things I've struggled with at, at different times. And I still have limiting beliefs, right? But my limiting beliefs are a lot bigger now. Like I said, my limits are a lot bigger <laughs> than what they were a couple of years ago. So I still have limiting beliefs. Like my limiting belief at the moment is around getting to $10 million a year, right? Five years ago, my limiting belief was around getting to $1 million a year, okay? And so, you know, I've just swapped out <laughs> one limiting belief for a, a better <laughs> limiting belief. That is still a limiting belief. So, uh, yeah, I'm certainly not immune to this stuff. Uh, I think every human just about has has some version of this. So if you've got, you know, whatever statement, you know, you have in your, you know, playing on repeat in your mind, whatever you tell people, you know, I it won't work for me because, okay, you, because you're newly qualified, because people can't afford it, because you're in the wrong area, because you only teach mat work or you only teach reformer or you only have a chair or you don't blah, blah, blah. Okay, if if you're not fully certified, if you don't have this qualification, or if you're too old, or if you're too young, or if you qualified too long ago, if you've got too many kids, or you're the wrong shape, or you can't do the exercises, or you're not an academic, or you haven't studied anatomy, or blah, 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 okay, here's, here's how I suggest you deal, you, you deal with that. And I think what we do is we completely avoid that issue. 
So the thing to understand here that will set you free from this belief is that you are not selling Pilates. You're not selling Pilates classes. You're not selling Pilates equipment. You're not selling your qualifications. You're not selling your experience. You are selling a result. Clients don't care if you only teach mat work. They don't care what qualifications you have. Just like you don't care when you go to the dentist what tools the dentist used or where they qualified or how many weekend certifications they've done. You care if you can have get rid of your toothache, right? If they can get rid of your toothache for you, you want a result. Your clients come to you because they want a result. Now, what result do they want? Well, maybe this isn't something you've thought about very deeply at this point. And if so, now's a great time to start thinking about it. When you provide a result that solves a painful and urgent problem for people, like a dentist solves a painful and urgent problem for people who have a toothache, right? people don't care about any of that stuff, like where you qualified or what brand of equipment you use or whether you have an XYZ machine or not. They don't care. Have you ever asked your dentist, you know, do you have an XYZ machine? What brand of tools do you... You don't care. <laughs> you don't care at all. If you lived in an industrialised economy, people probably can afford Pilates, right? If you live in the UK or Europe, you know, Western Europe or the US or Australia, New Zealand, you know, large parts of Asia, okay, people very likely can afford Pilates. They're probably texting you on their $1,500 smartphone to tell you they can't afford their your $20 Pilates session. <laughs> so it comes back to their priorities around their spending, just like we talked about your priorities around your spending, right? They can afford it. Now, there are some people in the world who genuinely can't afford it, okay? If it was a choice between them, their kids eating versus them doing Pilates, they genuinely can't afford it, and they sh you shouldn't go after those people as your clients, right? They're not good clients. But for somebody who's texting you on their iPhone, okay, or talking to your cordless in their $50,000 four-wheel drive <laughs> telling you that they can't afford your $20 Pilates session, that's not true. What is true is that they've, they don't see it as a priority, right? Let's think about this for a second. If I said to you, hey, you know, you could do a one-on-one -on -one Pilates session with me, $5,000 for an hour, Okay. Let's do it. It'll be great. You might think, huh, there's no way I would do that. It's way too expensive, right? Or you might think, oh, I can't afford it, okay? Just say so I said, I'll give you a business coaching session, one hour, $5,000, right? And you're like, oh, that'd be awesome, but I can't afford $5,000, right? All right, now imagine you wake up tomorrow and your tooth is very, very painful, 
You try and take some pain relievers, but it doesn't even take the edge off. You can't think straight. You're in agony. You can't eat. You can't even sip water. It makes it terribly painful. You can't cook. You can't clean. You can't go to work. You can't look after your kids. You can't even dress yourself. All you can do is lie still and experience the waves of pain washing through you. Your loved one comes to you and says, I managed to get you into the dentist You go to the dentist. The dentist says, I can fix this. It's going to cost you $5,000. What do you do? You find the money, don't you? (laughs) You find the money. (laughs) Okay, you borrow it. You max out your credit card. You don't pay a certain bill, whatever. You find the money. It's all about priorities. Okay, now, if people are telling you they can't afford your Pilates sessions, that's simply because you're not solving a painful enough problem to make your sessions worth that money to them. Right? Solving an agonizing toothache that prevents you from thinking is worth $5,000 to a lot of people. Okay, Getting some business advice is worth $5,000 to a lot of people, but not to some people. So you need to find people... now. You need to, if, if I was to find a, uh, I, I've paid people $5,000 an hour for business advice. It's worth it. That's worth it to me if it's the right, you know, obviously I wouldn't just pay it to anybody, <laughs> but somebody, you know, giving me the right advice because I have a $300,000 a month business, a little decision can easily make me an extra $50,000. Right? So $5,000 to, to somebody to help me make a better decision is a really good investment. Right, That's why I'm in so many masterminds. So for me, that $5,000 does solve a painful problem, and that's why, I, that's why I pay it, right? But for you, maybe the problem is not painful enough that it's worth paying that, right? But a debilitating toothache, or imagine if your child got unwell and they need medical attention and you need to pay $5,000 for it, of course you'd find that money. So it's all about finding a painful enough problem to solve that people will gladly pay you the money. So if people tell you they can't afford it, okay, and you're living in a developed industrialized economy, well, it's almost certainly because you haven't shown them a valuable enough offer. And so you know, your job as a, you know, your journey in business, so here's some business training. The number one job of business is to solve problems for people, right? So if you know, people don't buy a drill bit, they buy a quarter-inch hole. They, people don't want a drill bit, they want a hole. People don't buy air travel, they buy a holiday, People don't buy dentistry, they buy pain-free teeth. People don't buy plumbing, they buy an unblocked sink. Okay? People don't buy Pilates, they buy... What do they buy? Well, if you can't answer that question in three words or less, there's your problem. That's why people can't afford your prices. Right? And... Th- if, if 
you can can find an urgent and painful problem. Now, I love back pain. I think back pain is a fantastic problem that Pilates instructors can solve very effectively. So rather than selling Matt Pilates or Reformer Pilates or XYZ brand Pilates, okay, or anything, right? Not You're not selling your qualifications. What you're selling is, what you should sell is a result, right? So if you sell, fix your back pain in six weeks or you don't pay, that is a valuable problem to solve, right? Now, if you, if you, when you advertise that, clients don't care <laughs> what brand of dentist tools you use or where you did your dentistry training, right? Figuratively, okay? What brand of Pilates tools you use or where you did your Pilates training. They don't care. What they care is, can you fix my back pain? And if you can fix their back pain, that's all they care about. So, it's not about you. So all of those reasons that you think, oh, it won't work for me because, okay, 99% of them are about you. I'm not qualified. I only know this piece of equipment. I'm a newbie. I'm whatever, right? I'm too old. I can't do the splits, whatever. Your clients don't care about that. That's not what they're buying. Okay. Can your plumber do the splits? Does your dentist have great teeth it's like you don't care <laughs> you just want your tooth to stop hurting you just want your sink to be unblocked you just want your toilet to stop leaking okay your clients just want their back pain to go away so it won't work for me because blah 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 yes you can start a business you can start a business even if you're newly qualified, even if you're in an area where people can't afford Pilates, even if you only know mat work, even if, even if, even if you are the wrong shape, I'll put wrong in air quotes, even if you're the wrong age in air quotes, even if you don't have, can't do the moves perfectly, all of the, even if you don't know anatomy, right? Even if anything, okay? Yes, you can start a business. Yes, you can charge more money. As long as you can solve a painful and urgent problem for people, that is worth money, right? When you can help people get over their back pain, that's worth money. People don't care about any of that other stuff. Okay, my friends, we have talked about procrastination and the reason people put things off and don't act and don't build their business, don't start a training program, don't... It, you know, start you know, build you know build that marketing program or go and learn skills to build your business more. Your ability to do that is mainly, I think, limited by your mindset, not by any like inherent capacities. Are the five things? I think there were five things. We'll find out in a minute. Were a biased action? Okay, when there's a choice between thinking about and doing it, just. Do it. Act quickly. Make a decision when you've got 60% of the information you think you need. Act quickly and get feedback and then adjust quickly, right? So every decision is not a forever decision. It's just a let's suck it and see and then see what happens. Make a quick adjustment. Uh, the, if the next thing was I don't have time. And the two big ideas there were 
Uh, yes, you do. It's not true that you don't have time because it's definitely true that in a world of almost 8 billion people, there is someone somewhere with your exact obstacles who's already doing what you're saying you don't have time to do. So let go of that idea. It's not true. And the, the hack that I found um, that I got from, I think, Facing the Void and I use on my runs and I use in my business is just to start with a small goal, right? So sit down for 30 minutes, remove all distractions, get into flow. And what you'll find is after 30 minutes, you don't even notice the 30 minutes is up. You'll just keep going. You'll look up and four hours will have passed. The third thing we talked about was I can't afford it, okay? And may, there, there can be a reality to this one, right? So it is possible that you actually can't afford it. But if you've got a car that's worth more than $2,500, if your children are in expensive after-school activities, you know, if, you're, if you go out to dinner regularly, if you buy expensive clothes, if you've spent, you know, $20,000 on activewear in the last year, you can afford it. You just don't prioritize it. Building a business is a money-making project, and if you choose not to do it, that's totally cool, but if you want to do it, but you think you can't do it whilst you're driving in your $40,000 car, that's a mistake, I think. A business is an asset. Skills are an asset. When you invest in an asset, you get a return on that investment. It doesn't make sense to me not to buy an asset because you've got an expensive liability like a car or going out for dinner or lots of expensive active wear or whatever, that's not going to generate any income. The fourth thing we talked about was doing it now. You know, why should I do it now? Uh, and there's always a, there's always reasons to not do it now. There's always more reasons to not do it now. But the, <laughs> the reality is now is the only time you can do it because any time you do it, you will be doing it now. Uh, but if you just wait five years before you do it now, you'll still be faced with the exact same problems you're faced with today. Not enough time, not enough money, kids are still in schools, kids are out of school, whatever it is. But you'll be five years older, missed out on five years of income, and you'll have five years of regret of wishing you'd done it five years ago. Don't be that person that uh, didn't plant the tree. Plant the tree now. Uh, and finally, the fifth thing, and I did get it right, there are five things, uh, was the self-limiting belief around it won't work for me because, uh, maybe because I'm too this or not enough that, okay, not enough qualified, too old, too young, too the wrong shape, whatever, okay, uh, or people around me can't afford it, okay, now, I can't afford it might be true, might be true, if you live in rural Thailand, sub-Saharan Africa, you know, there are many areas in the world where people genuinely can't afford high prices for Pilates, okay? So don't choose people near me as your market. Choose people online as your market, people who live in Beverly Hills. <laughs> choose them, okay? Start an online business or move, okay? It's up to you. Where you live is, for most of us, a choice, you might be able to make a different decision, or you could just start an online business. All of those things, all of those beliefs, I only teach mat work, I'm too old, I'm not qualified, I'm a newbie, all of those things are not relevant because we're not selling any of those things. We're not selling reformer Pilates or 
your qualifications or your experience. What we're selling is a result. We're selling get rid of your back pain. We're selling increase your strength 50% in five weeks. We're selling get back to playing golf, get back to doing your gardening, get back to playing with your kids. Clients don't care about which brand of tools you have, which certifications you have on the wall. They don't care. They want the result. If you can solve an urgent and painful problem for people who have money, you will, they will be able to afford it. All right, my friends, that is all I've got for you this week. I think we're up to around about an hour, the clock on the wall tells me. So I think uh, that was good that we only did one third <laughs> of the mindset uh, um issues. So this was around procrastination. Uh, I'm going to look, I think I'm going to do another two of these. One is going to be about money mindsets. And another one is going to be around uh, specifically uh, how to deal with uncomfortable emotions that come up in the process of building your business. And this is, you know, this is not going to be a psychological advice, but it's just going to be my take on just pragmatic strategies that have helped me deal with uncomfortable emotions and money mindsets that have limited me in the past and that I've seen limit uh, my mentees and students. Uh, and hopefully they will help you. So let me know, uh, was this helpful um, or what feedback you've got? Reach out to me in the DM in Instagram and I'd love to hear from you. All right. Catch you next time. After two exercise science degrees and over a decade and a half of reading research daily, I've condensed all the current science on rehab into a program called the Clinical Exercise Specialist Rehabilitation. Inside the program, I'll teach you to do three things. One, deeply understand how the body works. Two, confidently and expertly rehab literally any client. And three, get results for your clients. So ultimately, your clients tell their friends and you become known as the go-to expert in your area. This program is completely unlike any education you've done before, even if you've studied with us before, because of the way we've built the learning design. It's an online, flexible, skill-based learning program, which means you keep doing the skills under supervision until you're good at them. It's more of a mentorship model than a traditional course model. So rather than rushing through the content and having sort of one go at everything, you actually just practice live and we give you feedback and guidance and we dialogue and explore concepts together until you're highly skilled and confident. We just keep working the material until you get it. It's not rushed at all. It's not about ticking off the content. It's about engaging, practicing and applying it until you own it. This is a life-changing program, not some weekend certification. I've put my heart and soul into building this, and I can't wait to share it with you and help you discover your genius for anatomy and rehab. Now, because of the highly interactive nature of this program, we're only taking on 12 students worldwide. The program starts on March the 1st, and the first 12 qualified people to apply will be allowed to enroll. So if you're interested in learning more, click the link in the show notes and download the course guide or go to breathe-education.com.
www.breathingcoachingcenter.com and click on the clinical certification menu in our uh, link in the top menu. That's breathe-education.com and click on the clinical certification link in the top menu.